0: I know nobody's listening because y'all are all zooming, but I got a shot of hot rock and roll for you anyway. Kale, the Red River rock and roll request.
1: Welcome to the Halloween Party, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Horror Guy Keenan, here with the news, reviews, and so much more for your Halloween and horror needs. Uh, It is now March, going into April, and I got a ton of stuff to talk to you guys about. So much so, that I don't even have time to gab to you all about what it's all about. But we have a little bit of news about uh, Three from Hell, from Rob Zombie, his new uh, film from the Devil's Rejects, House of Thousand Corpses, The Firefly Family, just legacy we have so much of that stuff to talk about uh reviews on ash vs evil dead uh annihilation came out strangers so much more lots of stuff to talk about before let's go back to stretch and we're gonna listen to no one lives forever by oingo boingo That was from the famous Oingo Boingo album, Dead Man's Party. Uh, If you guys know that producers Danny Elfman uh, and Steve Bartek worked on that album, Uh, that released back in October 28th, 1985, the year I was born. Yeah, showing my age to everybody. For all you guys and gals out there who do not know, uh, the Everyday's is Helly podcast has gone to YouTube. That's right. If you head over to YouTube right now and you search Keenan McClellan, that's right, my entire full name, Keenan space McClelland, uh, you can check out some of my, uh, my trips to uh, pretty cool places that I'm documenting. I'm trying to do this thing more every year. Uh, you know, just kind of take you all on a road trip and just edit a little bit of fun video for you all. Um, Right now, I can't give you guys a hyperlink, because it's fucking long and crazy, until I get 100 subscribers, then I get a nice little thing, it can just be youtube.com backslash channel, backslash everyday's Halloween podcast, or something like that, uh, but just search my name, search Horror Guy on YouTube, you'll be able to find it, um, quickest way to do it is just go straight to uh, straight to Twitter, or straight to Facebook, and just look up the everyday's Halloween podcast, I got links up there uh, for you guys, and uh, yeah, you get to travel along with me to some crazy, spooky, creepy places. Uh, but let's jump right into news. So there's only so much news, it gets me super pumped. Like last year's news about, uh, you know, the Halloween uh, sequel that is coming out later this year with involvement from John Carpenter. Um, that was, you know, made me ecstatic because Halloween is easily my favorite slasher uh, franchise of all time. Even the bad ones. Um, but, you know, something tops the Halloween franchise for me, and that is Rob Zombie's House of the Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. I know, I'm in that camp. I loved it since day one when I saw House in the theaters. Um, he's making a third installment, Three from Hell. That's right, Baby, Otis, and Captain Spaulding are all coming back. I don't know how, <laughs> but they are, and I'm fucking excited. You know, I mean, Rob Zombie released 31, he did it like with a Kickstarter thing. You know, it came out. People, some people were kind of biased about it, liked it, hated it. Uh, you know, it's whatever. Um, you know, Lords of Salem came out. You know, a lot of mixed reviews on that one as well. Uh, you know, I loved Lords of Salem. I thought it was freaking great. Um, but, you know, I feel like his heart lies within these characters. The Firefly thing that he created, the tone of that movie, he just gets so down pat. And now we're finally getting it. A next film to that uh so far the news that we have right now um members we're definitely getting sid Haig back as captain spalding we're getting bill mosley back as otis b driftwood we're getting sherry moon rob zombie's wife back as a as a baby firefly um added to that list just recently we got uh, austin stoker uh from assault and precinct 13 um and we got d wallace from et and rob zombies halloween and lords of salem has added the to the cast uh, i'm sure you know once this podcast goes up rob's gonna have at least three to four to 18 more horror con veterans that you've probably met in the past it'll be in this film because that's what he does uh and i love it i love that he teases uh, and gives all these great vet- horror veterans uh, a chance to play around in his movies um we recently got to see a paddy wagon uh you know little teasers of you know how i guess where how these got uh, these characters are getting transported in if you're not familiar And spoiler warning, if you haven't seen The Devil's Rejects, but also if you haven't seen The Devil's Rejects, shame on you. Um, The three, just the rejects from the devil, Otis, Baby, and Captain Spaulding, are all shot up in a blaze of glory, like Bonnie and Clyde, in their final stance with the police. So how do these three characters come back to terrorize the world once more? Well! I'm just going to speculate here and say, because they are rejected by the devil and the devil's rejects, something tells me they're going to be literally undead and having to walk the earth being the three from hell in this film. Now that kind of takes things a little bit more of a supernatural route, um, which, you know, I think that's the reason why. Devil's Rejects works so well is because it didn't really have much of a supernatural element to it. Um, if you've seen House Thousand Corpses, it, things get a little crazy. Um, there's a scene in Devil's Rejects where they kind of tie in House Thousand Corpses a little bit more, where they pull Dr. Satan from under the ground, uh, and he's in the hospital, and they're, they're, they're trying to recoup him, and he ends up ripping out Rosario Dawson's neck, and she's bleeding everywhere. And it was supposed to be like, you know, they were this crazy satanic family that had this creator of fucking insane people underground um i think that was a, 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 a the right move from lionsgate and rob i'm not sure really who made that decision but in the end i think it was rob if you watch the uh, 30 days in hell documentary uh basically saying it just didn't tie in right with the film uh devil's Rejects has this very real visceral raw um feeling to it you know you can kind of like you can kind of relate the characters of the Manson family uh killings to this very 70s just just visceral film um so nothing really supernatural really ever happens in Devil's Rejects now in Three From Hell if they add some of the stuff to this movie it might sway people a little bit differently now granted I think it is Lionsgate and Bandai who are putting out this film uh again I really hope this is a theater a theatrical release rather than a uh straight to dvd thing It'll show the quality a little bit. I know 31 had this kind of tie-in where it was uh, theaters and video on demand. Um, I think that kind of killed that movie for them. Um, it's just a different time. It's hard to get a movie out into theaters. Uh, but I think Rob could do it. I think if he, the backing is right, and you know, he could really make something that goes back to theaters. But I mean, it had a great soundtrack to The Devil's Rejects. We had some classic Allman Brothers in there, specifically the Terry Reed soundtrack. I'll, I'll admit to you guys, I didn't even know who Terry Reed was uh, until I watched The Devil's Rejects and I fell in love. I thought uh, the music that he I think he added about three to four tracks. And that just ending whenever the, the three are all lit up in the car and they die, and then it just fades to the winding road to Terry Reed's uh, Seat of Memory. It's fucking beautiful. So if Rob wants to recapture that feeling in Three From Hell, He's got to he's got to get Terry Reid back. He's got to get some original songs back in there. He's got to get some licensed stuff to kind of really bring you back to that time. I'm guessing this is still the '70s. Um, so there's a lot of steps that Rob has to take delicately for it to really tie in nicely to The Devil's Rejects without making it feel like it's a tropey, horrible add-on to uh, you know a great film. Uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people don't really like House of Thousand Corpses. Uh, for me it's one of my, it's probably my favorite horror film of all time. Yeah, fucking struck me down with lightning. I don't give a shit. I love that movie. So, but so I like the campy a little bit. I don't mind having a little cheese to my horror. Uh, and I thought Rob Zombie did a really good job with that with House of 1000 Corpses. So now in the third film if he adds a little bit of aspects from House, a little bit of aspects from Devil's Rejects, I think he could have something really special here. Now you got to remember Sid Haig, Sherry Moon and Bill Mosley have all aged quite a bit since this last film. Uh, Sid's a little bit slower now. Uh, you know, but he's still, he's still doing great. He's still hitting up all the cons and stuff. Bill's still spry as ever. He's got his big gray grizzly beard back. I think he'll be just fine. Uh, and Sherry's gone a little vegan. She, you know, she's she's getting up there, but you know what? It's fine. The three of them are great. I think if they do something with their... with the makeup... I mean, they all got shot, like, in the face and in the body... So I, I could see them walking around with, like, a little bit of, uh, you know, makeup done to them. And that would kind of cover up the, the aging process, I feel, uh, just a bit. And that would kind of work for what they're trying to do here. Very risky move for Rob. He, you know, he could really, you know, put his legacy in the ground with this one. Um, but I'm all for it. I want this film to be great. I want it to be good. Um, local Boogeyman just released a 3 from Hell t-shirt. That's Rob Zobby's elbow, man. He'll release a logo. And somebody he knows that does, has a clothing shop will, will sell it for fucking $40. Um, but you can get that right now at uh, Um And uh, they just released our new Total Skull line. That was Sherry Moon's clothing line from way back in the day. Um, that, you know, you know we worked with her on, on the show a few times with blade Disgusting. Uh, promoting that, my band. So that was that was a good time. Uh but yeah, so they just released some total skull stuff there. Very exciting. Just I'm happy to see Rob Zombie kind of diving back into what he knows and what he loves. And I just I'm I'm for it, guys. I am so for it.
0: Uh, tokar tokar. Kien Juan valdez. One valdez kien. Tiny foot the
2: stone. Ariba,
0: Ariba! <laughs> oh, oh, tiny. tiny tiny tiny, love you, tiny tiny tony whatever
1: so the oscars were this uh this past month and people like george A. romero were remembered obviously the godfather of zombies You have to honor him, along with a few other very poignant people in the creation of of film and cinema. Horror, as we know, usually doesn't get much love at the Academy Awards, but this year it kind of did. Jordan Peele's Get Out won an award for Best Screenplay. Guillermo del Toro won for Best Director and Best Picture with his creature feature, The Shape of Water. But one person was left off the list. Let me just run down some of his films for you all. The Fun House, Salem's Lot, Life Force, he did a few episodes of Freddy's Nightmare, but most importantly, he directed one of the scariest movies of all time, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and did the sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, but in Hollywood's eyes, that might not be good enough. Let's not forget the one film that really put him on the map, Poltergeist. Yes, I'm talking about none other than Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper was forgotten in the memory of at the Academy Awards this year. How do you leave off the director of Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It blows my mind, you guys. You know, the, the Academy Awards, the, the Oscars... The, Hollywood has their their heads so far up their asses. You know, about putting diversity and giving everybody what they want that they don't go back and they look at the the classics. Now, granted, that stuff's great. I'm not knocking it at all. But you, we gotta remember what, what made cinema great. <laughs> Toby Hooper was that, yeah. You know, whatever, it, it, it bums me out I'm glad to see that the horror community caught that shit right off the bat um, but yeah man that that's a, sh- that's a shame that you forget somebody as, as poignant as Toby Hooper in Hollywood. So this evening I'm going to pay homage to Toby Hooper and play you all a little clip from uh, the Masters of Horror Legacy with some of your favorite Masters of Horror including John Landis, Bruce Campbell and so many more uh, giving their, their thoughts on Toby Hooper and his legacy Sweltering summer day remote farmhouse, the stench of rotting flesh all around. And that's before the director shouts action. Sometimes it's the conditions on the set that can be the worst horror of all. Toby Hooper found out the hard way during filming of the classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a film that would forever change the way we think about power tools and barbecue.
2: When I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, I think that's... Really a scary, very funny
0: by the way, but really a scary, scary movie. One of the movies that
2: had a practical impact in my life was Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: From that moment until four years later, I didn't eat any meat. I became a total vegetarian.
2: And uh, then one day I ate three chickens in a one single sitting, <laughs> and that ended. The horror genre had gotten kind of boring, and and, and also I loved the genre, and I wanted to see something that gave me my tickets' money's worth, and and I figured I was you know paying I don't know what two bucks a ticket, a dollar and a half a ticket, but and I was getting about ten cents worth of scare. A friend of mine suggested that, that I go to the student union and see this black-and-white movie uh, that uh, the, was getting quite a lot of response, and it was uh, Night of the Living Dead. And I walked out of it and yeah, okay, that's that's the way to do it. That's, that's a good skyrocket that can be seen from far away. So... I was I was Christmas shopping, and 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 and, uh, uh, and I was in the hardware department it was something like a Sears store, and uh, and and, and God, God, I hate you know I hate crowds I hate I hate them closing in on you and so, so they were closing in and I was kind of like freaking you, you know just just wanted to get out of there get out of the crowd, and so uh, I found myself. In front of a chainsaw display in the hardware department, and, and uh, this, that's where the idea came from. Uh, well, if I pick this damn thing up and start it, you know, they'll part like a, like the Red Sea, and I can get out of here. Well, I didn't do that, of course, but 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 when I got home, uh, by the time I got home, and and um, I think the entire structure seemed to come like in. in, a, in like at one package, maybe like a nanosecond. But, but the, the configuration of the hitchhiker, uh, the cook, and then everything tumbling back into itself uh, was like an, an, an instant, a, a, a immediate notion that came out of that experience of, uh, of wanting to get out of that crowd. <laughs> Leatherface came from the family doctor He told me when I was uh, 10 or 11 years old that he... Uh, um, when he was in pre-med school, he skinned a cadaver's face and, cured, you know, dried it out and wore it for a mask to a Halloween party. So I thought, okay, that's cool. We got the uh, the skeleton from uh, India uh, through a pharmaceutical company. And and the real oh, skeletons are less expensive than the plastic one. But, you know, I'm just wondering, where do they get these skeletons, do you know? where are they? skeleton skeleton farms. How do they get perfect? And, and they're cheaper than plastic ones. You know. It was in August. It was like 110. You know, every day. And we would tent the house. You know, to shoot. You know, night for day. And uh, and then it was like 120 degrees. And the and the props weren't cured yet. And they would start. You know, vaporizing as they dried up. And uh, but there was there was an atmosphere we were living it and 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 we we were in that august texas heat uh to 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 the point that it was uh it you know it was real the heat the atmosphere the, and it was such long hours that
0: uh uh it one definitely blurred into the other we shot for Four solid weeks, seven days a week, 12 to 16 hours a day, and after a while, we were just zombies. We were so burned out. I think it shows in the film.
2: If you've tapped into the the spirit or the nerve or, or whatever this thing that comes up, if you throw a net over it and capture it, and you're in the, in there with with the demon, it's uh, it's in your life, and and you take it home with you. And you bring it back to the set it crossed over from acting into that and at the dinner sequence when I'm poking her and hitting her yeah you know, it was real yeah it wasn't that I didn't like Marilyn It was just like you know been up for a long time and you get a little crazy because you're being asked over and over and over to do crazy things and I just had to make sure you know everything is safe I mean Geez, everyone on this film. Daniel, Daniel Pearl operating the camera, almost got an eye knocked out with a, a dolly shot traveling so fast in the woods that the camera hit a tree and jammed. Everybody, everybody got injured that just kept reminding you we're talking
0: about flesh and blood and life. I could barely see out of the mask. I could see only directly in front of me. I had no peripheral vision at all. So that made the chase sequences very difficult. Gunnar's mask had ridden up on him and uh, he was with the chainsaw. And he, you know, and of course
2: now we're doing a long shot, so the cast and the crew are all like, you know, fifty yards away. <laughs> and the perspective, you could see it plain as day. Where he's getting closer and closer and closer and he doesn't realize it. He's about to cut her in half in real time. And everybody's going, ah no! <laughs> and Gunnar is meanwhile thinking, I'm really doing a good job, boy. They're yelling for me and yugging me on. <laughs> He's just about to kill this woman, you know. And, you know, and Toby's going, oh, Let him get a little bit closer.
0: <laughs> My favorite scene to shoot was actually the dance at the end. I just started swinging the saw and kind of stamping around, and then I noticed and they cleared everybody away, and I could barely see out of the mask, and I noticed that there was the cameraman standing there with the camera on me and Toby was standing behind him and then they would move around me as I moved. And at one point I had sort of swung the saw and I realized that Toby had ducked. So the reason it was such a pleasure to do that scene is I started swinging the saw at Toby. I was imagining that I was going to kill Toby with the saw. So it was with great pleasure. That's when I started really dancing around and spinning and swinging that saw was that I wanted to scare them with what I was doing. I wasn't angry at Toby, I thought he was great. I think it was just the frustration and the sort of... just the desire to do, to do something back, you know, after suffering for four weeks of shooting.
2: But Chainsaw has this reputation for being so... Uh, uh, visceral and bloody and gory, and, and you know, it isn't. And, uh, I mean, the blood's there, it's dried on the walls, and then... And the girl on the meat hook, when you, you know, when you when I pan down her body to show the wash tub underneath, it is obviously to catch, you know, a lot of fluid. There's nothing dripping from her. It's just you put it together in your mind because it makes sense. Yeah. Chainsaw One had was was a, a play about morality, uh, in, in a strange way, and family values, and it was all. Bubbling up out of the times and out of Watergate, and once again, I underline we we found out, uh, as a na- naive students, such that, that hey, they, they don't always tell you the truth. So, it's about a film about a bad day uh, for everyone, actually, a bad day for Leatherface and everyone. The spot that we shot Chainsaw One on is now Dell Computers, and the house, they moved it to another little town and turned it into a restaurant, just a house, but but without any reference to what it is. I would have taken it, I would have turned it into a barbecue restaurant straight away, and it would have been fun. The remake idea's been around about four, three, four years.
0: I got a call from the casting people because they were interested in having me be in the movie. And the first thing out of this casting person's mouth is, this is a retelling of this film. Now, this time it's going to be a dark psychological horror. It's not going to be a bloodbath like the original. And I thought, have you ever seen this movie? I wonder if they get it, and I wonder why they need to remake the film. Why do you need to remake a movie that already did its job really well?
2: If it's successful and becomes a classic, it's going to be remade. And, and, and I've, I have um, kind of, uh, uh, you, you know, had to been a little philosophic about that. And, and, um, and it's a fact, you know, it's a fact. It's a, they, they, you know, they remade Frankenstein, remade Dracula. And, but still, there's only one original.
1: Yes, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre will always be Toby Hooper's magnum opus uh, and he will greatly, greatly be missed. Margot Robbie is being pegged uh, to play Sharon Tate in the next Quentin Tarantino pick, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which depicts the stories of Charles Manson, the Manson women, and the uh, murder of the actress, uh, Sharon Tate in her Hollywood home. Uh, right now, it is just an offer uh, so she has to pick whether she wants to do it or not, but I'm going to guess all signs point to yes whenever your co-stars are Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, this is the tapestry of the set in the Los Angeles in 1969 at the height of the hippie Hollywood around the time of the murder of Tate and several others in the killing spree of Charles Manson. Uh, I'm very interested to see how Quentin Tarantino is going to attack this, um, especially with all these allegations in Hollywood right now going after him uh, for this and that and what he did to Uma Thurman, but when he was filming uh, Kill Bill. Uh, I'm sure Margot's a little hesitant to jump at the, the role right away, but I, like I said, when you got to back up stars like DiCaprio and Pitt, I'm pretty sure it's not that bad. I expressed to you all earlier in the show how excited I am for the new Halloween film that is going to be directed by Gordon Green and co-written by Danny McBride. That's right, that Danny McBride. Um, yeah, he said that uh, you know this film is going to take place right after the first Halloween, also starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, fans are not too happy about that as Halloween two is still directed by John Carpenter and picks up during the same night that is October 31st. Uh, so, you know, you can excuse Halloween 3, 4, 5, 6, 6, all those, those films. Now, granted, I love all those movies. Um, so it's kind of interesting that he's doing that. Well, now McBride went on, uh, an interview with a uh, flickering myth about, you know, they're going to pay homage to those films. McBride said, the Halloween franchise has kind of become a little bit of like a choose-your-own-adventure. You know, like there's so many different versions and the timeline is so mixed up. We just thought it would be easier to go back to the source and continue from there. Uh, McBride continues, we do reference the other movies for fans. We pay homage and respect to every Halloween that has been out there. So will we see some silver shamrock masks here and there? Will we see a tattoo On the wrist of Michael Myers proving that he is a uh, a resurrected God possibly who knows we'll see Uh, but uh, yeah this one comes out October 19th 2018 so look for that very soon now as you guys know I'm a huge stop-motion fan Um, you know anything that Henry Selick works on I am a huge fan of you know Nightmare Before Christmas Coraline why Do those films resonate so well? Well, they're, you know, worked on by great creators like Tim Burton and Neil Gaiman. Uh, So when you get great writers and creators behind stop motion, you can make some of the best, uh, you know, film of all time. Well, I'm happy to report that Netflix is in the works with director Jordan Peele, who just came off his best screenplay for Get Out. Uh, He and Keegan-Michael Key from the, uh, the duo Key and Peele. Uh, are going to team up and work with henry selick in doing a stop-motion film for netflix uh, yeah that's right it's going to be called wendell in the wild uh, and that should be coming out uh, sometime in the future it takes a little while for stop motion to be made but that is one of um, jordan peele's next um creative endeavors so i'm very excited to see that that's not a lot of news out right now but the fact that you know henry selick is is part of this and and jordan and keegan I'm pretty sure this is going to be something uh, amazing. Uh, and it'll be on Netflix, which is great. So probably in three years our Netflix subscriptions will probably be about $17 by that point. But it'll be worth the wait, so keep holding out. If you guys listened to the last episode um, with Douglas Pipes and Mike Bouvet, you know that Mac is uh, working on a little series called Typecast about a real werewolf working in Hollywood. Um, it was something really fun. She had to postpone the Kickstarter for a while, but good news is the kickstarter is coming back and it will be starting on april 2nd so once i get a link i will make sure to post it to all of our social media outlets on twitter and on facebook Uh, so go and support mac and and this little project it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun Um, and if you guys haven't go back and listen to the last episode where i interview mac and just talk to her about you know her love for horror and uh, what's gonna come from this uh this new series Big news from Shout Factory uh, this past week. It looks like um, they have acquired the entire Roger Corman collection. That's right, uh, literally 270 films, action, sci-fi, TV series, horror, you name it. But yeah, this includes Rock and Roll High School, Battle Beyond the Stars, Piranha, Galaxy of Terror, Blood Fist, Black Scorpion, Eat My Dust, Humanoids from Deep Slumber Party, Massacre, Forbidden World, and so much more. Um, Shout Factor and Ace Film plan to tap the 270 films and TV titles into a New Horizons library for the new content development of remakes. Uh, this will be merchandise, licensing programs, uh, digital media content, and syndication across streaming, TV, digital, and video on demand platforms. Uh, so that's really cool that we're going to see a lot more of Roger Corman's like visceral, uh, just original stuff. And I, I can't wait to see this. And just a lot of more of the campy stuff, too. You know, it's just a lot of fun to watch turbine media group is giving us all something that some of us have been looking forward to for quite a while that's right the long out of print first feature film of director john landis schlock is coming to blu-ray and dvd uh april 27th 2018 uh this is a story about a monkey in a rubber monkey costume terrorizing a town think think animal house but with a big gorilla running around the streets. It's, it's very John Landis, let me just say that. Uh, it looks very cool, it's going to be limited to 2,000 copies. Um, you know, this is where legendary makeup artist Greg Nicotero got his start. Uh, he worked on Schlock, uh, creating the rubber monkey for the for the movie. This looks really nice, it, the, the set itself, I'm looking at pictures right now, it looks really uh, sweet. It's a two-disc combo, you got your Blu-ray, you got your DVD, all your special features. Um, I'll post a little video, a little trailer on the, uh, the Facebook page for you all. But yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I will definitely be picking this one up. I was out in Atlanta, Georgia recently working on a television series for NBC, and everybody was about to wrap up on that series and work on a new film, which was going to be Goosebumps. Uh, that's right. The new Goosebumps film is filming out in Atlanta, uh, right now. Uh, it just got a rename from, um, Goosebumps, Slappies, something or other, but now It is Goosebumps Slappy Halloween. Get it? Like a play on Happy Halloween? That's right, the next Goosebumps movie is going to be a Halloween film, so that gets me a little bit more excited for this one compared to the last one, which I felt wasn't very spooky or scary. It was just kind of like kids goofing around with Jack Black and goofy things. Like, this one, I hope, has a little bit more of a spooky feel with the Halloween overtone. I always just feel like Halloween gives your movie another 20% awesome (laughs) whenever you add it in. Uh, this film includes uh, Wendy mclendon Covey from Reno 911 and the Goldbergs, uh, Ken Jeong from Community and Hangover, and Chris Parnell, uh, and a bunch of other kids you know, from the Jumanji films and, and, and Castle Rock and It and whatnot. Um, but that'll be really cool to see some more of the, the more terrifying characters come out in this Goosebumps film. At least I hope so. Fingers crossed. Uh, this one will be coming out October 12th of this year. So I've been following the story of the horror Marvel film, New Mutants, for quite a while. Uh, this film wrapped uh, production a little while ago, and it looks like they uh, delayed it, and they're doing reshoots, and the film's not coming out until February 22nd, 2019 now, um, and they're adding a new character to the film. Now, whether this character has plays a big part in it, I just think that's crazy to add an entirely new character to your already finished film, uh, but hey... Who knows? I feel like the buzz from fans about this movie being a horror film got people really excited for it compared to uh, what it was actually going to be. I think marketing turned it into a horror film. I think, uh, you know, the posters and the trailer was geared to be a a spooky, scary film. Um, But the film itself really wasn't. So since the buzz was that it's going to be a horror film and the film would have came out and wouldn't have been very scary i think it would have just died so you know they're they're going with it they're going to make this a horror mutant film which i think is great that's awesome um anna taylor uh joy you know she just wrapped um thoroughbreds recently and she came out and said uh you know that i do think there is a great responsibility to make sure the movie is done right and that we deliver the fans something that they can all feel happy about and excited about so you i'm talking about uh taylor joy who also plays the rasputin she goes on to say so i don't think it being delayed is a bad thing because it's definitely more important to make sure that we get it right rather than rushing it to make a date completely understand i totally agree with that so it'll be very interesting to see what they do with this new mutants film um I was a big fan of the New Mutants comics. I'm not really sure if they're going to play along the Hellion storyline at all, um, which would be great. So I think it's it's the birth of a new uh, X-Men franchise for Fox. They're, they're not letting go of these mutants anytime soon. So we shall see. Oh, it's all in the same wheelhouse now, isn't it? Marvel now was working with Fox like they're working with Sony. I don't know. They're all having a giant Marvel comic orgy these days. So I'm like a lot of you out there. I'm a Twin Peaks nut. Um, and I like a good cup of black coffee in the morning, but at night I would like something that has that same feel and taste. Only David Lynch gave us a beer that was themed after the Twin Peaks. Rest assured it is happening. Uh, in close collaboration with David Lynch, a uh, Danish microbrewery, uh, Milkler has brewed three Twin Peaks inspired beers. They are the Log Lady Lager, Damn Good Coffee Stout, and Red Room Ale. These look delicious. The labels look amazing. Uh, everything from concept to tasting all went through David Lynch of what he wanted these uh, cans to look like, the colors, and of course the tastes. Um, and uh, that even David Lynch's signature cup of organic house blend coffee is in the damn good coffee stout, which I think is really cool. The only way you can taste this though is if you go to the uh, the second annual Festival of Disruption in Los Angeles. This is the Twin Peaks convention if you will um yes they're gonna have the beer for sale out there uh the the show runs from october 14th and 15th Um, if anybody's out there and you know gets their hands on this beer i will gladly shoot you a few bucks to send me some holy crap you have no idea Um, so yeah very cool stuff out there uh, what, 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 a, what a great time we live in right now. Twin Peaks beer. Go fig. That's all the news we have for this month. Uh, after this little ski, I'll be giving you guys my Netflix recommendations for horror this month, featured artists, my reviews, and so much more. This is Ryan Gosling and a bunch of kids. This is Dead Man's Bones in the room where you sleep. I saw something
2: on your bed I saw something touching your head
1: recently had the chance to review the first and second issues of Waxwork Records' new uh comic and LP vinyl uh collaboration of an opening of their new uh comic series, um House of Waxwork. Uh the music you're listening to right now is from that comic and they put out some really great stuff. All of it is originally composed, works very well with the comics. If you like anthology stories like Tales from the Crypt um, Tales from the Hood, those kind of things, uh, EC Comics in general, just that old classic feel of just, you know, creepy, uh, mini stories put together, but having an authentic soundtrack behind that. Think about when you used to read those, um, Teddy Ruxpin stories or, um, you know, Mickey Mouse, and they'd have, like, the little cassette tape you put inside them, and they would play a story or a song for you while you read the book. It's like that, but for hor- older, nerdy, th- 30-something horror fans. <laughs> uh, I love everything that uh, Bergeron and all those guys out there are doing over at Waxwork. They they always treat me so kindly, and so the rest of these songs uh, are going to be from that series, and if you like it, uh, go to waxworkrecords.com and purchase one or two. Yeah, get some really cool fucking uh, vinyl and comics so my featured artist this month is sam heimer sam basically he is halloween i mean he has the name sam he is sam Hain. this guy his depiction of of horror and halloween and just vintage look uh compiled into horror it, it, it's it's amazing it's very etchy it reminds you of just um, vintage '20s Halloween look, but everything's a little bit scarier, a little bit more intense. Um, just hollow, dark eyes. Think along the lines of "Over the Garden Wall," but you know, amp up the horror just a little bit more. Um, this guy has talent. I'm telling you. Uh, you know, you can check out his stuff. Um, just go to samheimer. h e i m e r. dot wordpress. dot com to check out some of his work. Very beautiful stuff. He's selling prints over on his Etsy store. That's at etsy.com backslash shop backslash Samheimer. Heimer. S-A-M-H-E-I-M-E-R. Um, he has greeting cards. Uh, you know, he has full art prints. He uh, even has the little uh, muscle men. The F for sale on his uh on his etsy store and just some great stuff he he really captures that essence of, of halloween that i'm always looking for um and i was really happy to stumble upon him on instagram uh and you know he didn't ask me to say any of this he does probably doesn't even know who i am uh, i just don't to want to get the word out there because his his work is just so good um, so definitely check out that that he is the artist of the month So let's get right into what's haunting us on Netflix. Uh, this little feature, something I wanted to bring back uh, that you guys have been, you know, saying you wanted to hear more of. So I'm going to bring it back tenfold and give you guys, let's see, one, two, three, four, five things that I recommend this month on Netflix. Uh, let's start off with the film Veronica. Uh, this is based off a semi true story. Um, it took place in Spain. It's a Spanish film that's subtitled. uh, It's about a girl that finds herself uh, besieged by an evil supernatural force after playing an Ouija board game uh, with her two classmates. Um, I would have to say this is probably the best Ouija film I've seen because a lot of the ones that came out in theaters, including the film Ouija, was kind of god-awful, and I don't like them very much. Uh, This one had a nice little flavor to it. Maybe it's because... It's almost a true crime story. I feel like they casted the main girl because she can elongate her jaw a little bit more than um, most girls, but it works for the, the scenes that they shoot in this film. Um, there's a little boy in there that's super adorable that reminds me of a little baby, gamble del Toro. Um... <laughs> But other than that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of slow burns. There's, uh, you know, nudity is always scary. So whenever you see it in the dark and someone has a flashlight, you know, like that kind of stuff is is in there. So uh, if you don't like seeing a uh, Full Frontal, this is not the film for you. But uh, the film's great. I really enjoyed this one. Check it out. Uh, next up is a series called Devilman Crybaby. This is a Netflix original series. Uh, it's an anime. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the original Devilman uh, anime series. Um but it's basically about demons taking over the world and about one guy that tries to reclaim uh, humanity in himself, and he is a demon. Um, now, this is not for the faint of heart. I'm just going to say that right now. Devil Man Cry Baby is fucking intense. Uh, you know, there is just heads on pikes and fucking and frontal and things coming out of tits and, and acid and demons just fucking, just eating people and some of the best Japanese hip-hop you've ever heard. I know. It's randomness beyond belief. But I fucking loved every episode of this anime. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, if you guys know the... I think Supercharger Heaven is the song that Rob Zombie sings. The devil man, devil man. Yeah, that's it's based off this anime. Uh, not this one for Netflix, but the original. Um, but the new one on Netflix is fucking great. I think it's about 10 to 12 episodes long. Um, it's very depressing towards the end. But uh, it's still a fucking great ride. I loved it. I highly recommend Devil May Cry crybaby on netflix next up we are going with the ritual that's right the fucking ritual this movie was fucking great i love the way that you know um the creature effects were done in this film um it kind of reminded me of uh the world's end <laughs> with simon Pegg and nick frost uh but a horror film um, this one was directed by David Bruckner. Uh, this came out um, October 13th in the United Kingdom. Um, really great screenplay by Joe Barton. Uh, it's a reuniting story about a bunch of guys that get together after one of their friends has uh, has brutally been murdered and passed, and they want to commemorate his memory. Um, and they go hiking, and of course things go awry. Um, I don't want to give anything more than that, but it is fucking visceral uh, towards the very end, and not a lot of these guys make it out. But man, the force of the Norse legend, we got to watch out for that shit. Next up is uh, Haunters, The Art of the Scare. This is John Schnitzer's um, documentary uh, back from uh, September of 2017. Uh, This thing is great. I got to sit down and watch this um, the other day, and it is just so much fun. I love whenever you have a documentary that goes through and looks at different types of people's haunts for Halloween and what they put into them because every kind of haunt that somebody can put their their time and their love and their effort into is always 100 percent different um you know you have your halloween horror night stuff which john touches on um by interviewing um one of the head creators out in hollywood um but you have your indie haunts that has, uh, you know, just your typical maze and spooks and, and you know, boo holes and things like that and your scare um, And then there's storytelling haunts where, you know, they are, they're putting theatrics to it and they're putting you in a story, kind of almost like an escape room. And then there are your uh, intense houses. And that's what haunters... Um, kind of focuses on the most, and I like that because that's not a haunt that ever interests me. I know we've seen you know the houses that October built, where they you know they kind of go and touch on these like extreme houses uh, in a movie fashion. Um, but this is this is true. This is you know you're you're getting you know a full front view. Uh, into this guy's house, and he tells you, you know, what's been going on, and you know how the, the the death threats that he gets daily, yearly, um, you know, and just trying to make it bigger and better, and you know, he had the interview process beforehand, and they don't they don't hold back. A lot of these haunts, uh, they you know, they have safe words when they take you in, and they pull you deep, and they scream at you, and they they rip your clothes, and they spit in your face, and degrade you basically. And once you say that safe word, you know, lights come on, and you get out. That's probably the safest way to do it. This is one haunter, he doesn't do that. There is no safe word. So once you're in there, you are in there. You're these hired goons, uh, plaything for the next I guess hour? I forget they said a certain number of how long these things last, but it's a long time to be just brutally just viciously attacked um you know not again not my thing for halloween fun and scares in a haunted house but it's out there and if you want a deeper look into that world definitely check out haunters are the scare uh highly recommend it on netflix um yeah i would love to see a part two of this uh be released this year actually and my fifth choice is kind of a two-parter because i feel like i'm jipping you guys because i kind of give the same choice every time i give my top five netflix uh horror recommendations it's penny dreadful if you have netflix and you're not watching penny dreadful you haven't seen it yet there's no excuse this is the best storytelling out there and it is the best depiction of classic monsters like the wolfman frankenstein dracula and and other created character gothic characters brought into a world together this is the league of extraordinary gentlemen i've always wanted um please for me watch penny dreadful i promise you will not regret it uh, and then, of course, Twin Peaks. Seasons 1 and 2 of Twin Peaks are on there. You should watch that. So those are my two parts for you guys. I know there's a new Frankenstein Chronicles series um, starring Sean Bean uh, on Netflix. I haven't given it a chance yet. looks like a very gothic story tell- tale. Um, if any of you guys have heard anything about it, if you think it's good, please shoot me a message. I recommend it to me over at the Facebook page uh, or at me at Howl's Eve 365 on Twitter. I would love to hear. Um, yeah, so that's my Netflix recommendations. Now! Let's move into films. I was able to sit down and watch Eli Roth's remake of *Death Wish* recently. Uh, for those y'all know, Charles Bronson made the *Death Wish* films famous and made about five of them, I think. Um, and I love *Death Wish* three. *Death Wish* three is my favorite of the of the series. I appreciate one and two. Obviously, one has Jeff Goldblum. Two has Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, they both play rapists and not very good pen in those movies. Luckily, in this one, not so much rape happens. Now, granted, the landing doesn't really stick too well in this one. But it's just kind of hard to believe that Bruce Willis is a fumbling, uh, not action star character in this one. But if you can suspend your disbelief for a little bit, he doesn't do a bad job. Uh, they really depict Chicago pretty well in the series. Not so much the crime, but just a lot of the, the cool shots and scenes that Eli uh, put into this film. Uh, it's it's definitely a rental, if anything. Uh, watch it on Netflix when it pops up. Um, but, you know, I give, give it a solid three out of five. Um, Next up, we have Winchester. Winchester is also coming out on Blu-ray and DVD on April 17th. Uh, This had Helen Mirren uh, walking around, being the heir to the famous Winchester mansion. Uh, Spooks and creeps happen all throughout the house. Uh, Little boys being creepy. It was okay. It's a slow burn. Um, Again, wouldn't rush out to theaters. Luckily, it's already coming out on Blu-ray and DVD for you guys who haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, not too bad. Annihilation with Nellie Fortman. Uh, easily the best film I've seen so far this year. Um, there's a whole controversy going on right now about how these kind of films shouldn't be in theaters because they make you think, and that makes me sad. Apparently sci-fi, deep sci-fi, that makes, doesn't really spell everything out for you. is considered, uh, uh, you know, is not making the best ticket sales, and that's disheartening. Uh, so I recommend going out to the theater now. If it's still out in theaters, go see Annihilation it was fucking brilliant i loved every minute of it it kept me and my girlfriend guessing and talking about you know different scenarios and stuff afterwards uh a lot of fun uh, next up the strangers pray at night this is a uh sequel from the director who did the original strangers um i fucking loved it i thought this was so much fun um definitely different from the first one. First one was a little bit more of a slow burn uh this new strangers uh it all takes place in a, a trailer park uh at night and uh you know it's, it's a family just trying to survive uh the evening and it, it's it's you know it's raw it's scary it just has some of the best moments and it kind of pulls that like that that kind of 80s synthy look soundtrack here and there every now and then um which I, I liked i thought it was a nice little change up so it was pretty good um so yeah definitely two thumbs up on that one i give out a good four out of five for sure um as for a new series coming out, Ash vs. Evil Dead, it's been fucking fantastic. Please watch Ash vs. Evil Dead support it. It is literally an Evil Dead movie every week. Why would you not watch that? <laughs> the new characters have been great. Um, season 3 has just been off the wall. The first two seasons are on Netflix. Give that a chance, please. Ash vs. Evil Dead, solid series. Um, what else do we have? Um, X-Files Season 11 has been fucking spot on. The first couple episodes was a tad rocky wasn't sure how I was feeling about it. As these new episodes have been going, it's been some of the best. There's one episode where Mulder and Scully don't even talk. It's just, uh, them dealing with technology. And it was one of the, the best episodes. I was laughing. It was scary. It was crazy. And then the episode after that with Mr. Uh, Giggle Teeth or whatever the fuck his name is, that was a terrifying episode. Uh, the last episode with vampires, fucking fantastic. We have one more episode and then next file season 11's over. And then we might lose Jillian Anderson forever. Sad face. Um, other than that, The Walking Dead's been okay, I guess. Uh, we got a lot of, uh, you know, Carl is, uh, is taking a step back, and Rick is going after Negan. We've seen him attacking him with a baseball bat. He, he gets his hand on a hatchet, and he's going after Negan. Uh, I'm sure this season's going to end a little bit crazier. Uh, you know, they got to hype up those ratings a lot right now, but, uh, you know, I still dig The Walking Dead. I know a lot of people bitch about it, but I don't think it's that bad right now um so yeah i think that's really about it guys uh please play the impatient on the psvr it's probably a, the scariest horror game and in, in vr that i've ever tried i know um alex aja and um robert england are doing a vr horror film right now which i find very interesting i think vr is the the new uh the new place for horror and it, it works it you know you can only turn your head and, and and close your eyes for so long until you have to keep moving um And, uh, yeah, the Impatient from the guys that did, uh, Until Dawn for the PlayStation. This is their prequel to that game. And, uh, it's you trapped in an insane asylum. Uh, you can already tell, like, the shit that would probably happen within that. It's a little two-hour game. I wouldn't pay $40 for it. I sadly did, because I'm an idiot. But I am a sucker for horror VR in general. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for, uh, you know, following. Uh, like I said, jump on YouTube. Add add, add me, Keenan McClellan. On there, Uh, you'll see a lot more trips, road trips uh, to spooky places. I love sharing all the stuff with you guys. And uh, I hope to get back to you guys uh, with another episode very soon. Like I said, I I pack these things full of information for you guys. So I want you guys to have the best episodes. And maybe we'll have a few interviews lined up for you all. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to VHS Comics. Go to ebonpress.com, E-I-B-O-N-P-R-E-S-S.com. These guys put out uh, comics based on Maniac and Classic Um, horror films. They just redo them and they have their original comics too. Very fucking cool stuff. Check that stuff out at evanpress.com, VHS Comics. Alright guys, see ya. Peace. Stay scary. Who's your daddy? Papa Ash here. Let me tell you folks, kids and parties
2: go together like hookers and handjobs. They booze, they smoke, they get high,
1: they screw. How do you handle this? Hmm. Simple, you tag along. Why the hell should they have all the fun? Hey kid, mix up a new batch of pink fucker, you're grounded. (laughs) Papa's getting wasted tonight. Woo!